Mm-hmm. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Back on the Track podcast. My name is here with Anthony. Anthony, say what's up to the audience. What's up, audience? <laughs> and we're here to discuss the results of the track and field Olympics or the Olympics and track and field. And man, was these were these Olympics great. It was amazing. Totally lived up to the hype. I mean, we saw world records, Olympic records, national records, area records, the whole nine yards. What did you yeah. think about the Olympics in track and field? I, mean, I, I thought the, that they were awesome, to be honest. All of the different competitors from everywhere just came together and really definitely put on a show for us. They... They just blew it completely out the water. Yeah, for sure. It was a great, you know, bringing everybody together uh, from all around the Mm-hmm. Just determining who's the best of the best. I mean, it was incredible. You know, it sucks that there wasn't any fans in the stands to watch, but, you know, it was still pretty exciting. We saw a lot of amazing times, you know, some close finishes, which we'll get to in a second. So this is how it's going to work. So I'm just going to be doing the men's today, the results for the men's, and I'll talk about the women in a separate podcast because if we did that, that would be take forever. But um, So I'm going to go in order of events. And we're starting with the signature event. The 100 meters. And man, we were not, who would have thought these results who would have predicted these results all right so in my pre pre olympic video where i predicted the medalist so we're going to start off with 100 so i had Trayvon Bromel from the USA winning the gold i had Ronnie Baker from the USA winning the silver and then i had Andre de Grasse from Canada winning the bronze and in fourth place i had Akani Simbine of South Africa The final result of the 100 meters, okay? Italy, Italia, Marcel Lamont Jacobs finishes first with a time of 9.80. Fred Curley of the USA, who dropped down, went from the 400 to the 100, came in second with a time of 9.84. And then Andre de Grasse of Canada, always finding his way on the podiums, comes in third with a 9.89, which was a PR for him. And then Simbine came in fourth with a 9.93. So I did get the third and fourth place correct, but the first and second was a little off there. But it was an incredible race. I mean, nobody saw Jacobs winning this. I no. mean, entering the Olympics, he had like a, his time was like a 9.9 something, but I mean, with this field, with Bromel running so well throughout the Diamond League and the circuit, you know, that's why I predicted him to win. And unfortunately, Bromel went out in the semifinals. He was one point, like a hundredth of a second away from qualifying in the final. He injured, he tore his Achilles after the 2016 Olympics, and for him to come back, overcome adversity, 
you know, he was dealing with some depression. And, you know, it's great to see him back on the track because he's extremely talented. And next year in Eugene for the World Championships. But, man, Curly, Fred Curly, mm -hmm. this, I mean, that's incredible. Like, a lot of people had doubts on Curly. Like, we were all wondering, like, what? This man is like a 43-400 runner. Why is he? Before, like he really took a bargain yeah. here and he really showed up. I mean, his start was incredible. Um, he really, I mean, yeah, for someone, yeah, for someone who, um, mm -hmm. with a 400 runner, he has an amazing start for the one and came in clutch in 924. And then the grass, I mean, this guy just peaks at the right time, like, he's a performer. Anytime under when he's under pressure, like he always shows up. I mean, if you look at his resume, like he's gotten third. He was third in 2015, third in 2016 in the Olympics. Um, did not compete in 2017 Worlds due to injury, and then in 2019 he came in third. So he's been piling up these bronze please medals, or yeah, these bronze medals. Um, unfortunately, his start is just not. He doesn't have the start that, you know, in comparison to Curly and Jacobs. And that's one of the things that he has to work on. Um, if he can improve on his starts, he's definitely going to be in contention to win the 100. But his top end speed is just ridiculous. I mean, when everyone's decelerating, he just continues accelerating. He's able to maintain his max velocity for that long. But um, just incredible. Like, no one, like Jacobs out of. Like, who is this guy? Like, after the race, I'm like, who is that? <laughs> um, any thoughts on the race, Anthony? I honestly think that the race was incredible. I definitely did not expect um, Italy to get the gold medal for that, for the uh, 100 meter. But he definitely came in clutch with that. He was supposed to run in the 400, as you said, but he ended up taking on the the 100, and he came through with that for sure. Um, both Italy and USA had both amazing starts, and it was overall just incredible to watch. Yeah. This is a great race. All right. All right, let's move on to the 200. All right, now this... Ranking, like, my favorite and least favorite events. I mean, this 200 was intense. All right, so let me give you my pre-race favorites. So in my predictions video, I had Noah Lyles of the USA winning. Andre DeGrasse coming silver. And I had Kenny Menderick, a.k.a. Juco legend, coming in third with from the USA. And then I had Divine Oduduru of Nigeria finishing in fourth. But now, so in the Olympic final, Andre de Grasse of Canada wins with a winning time of 19.62. Kenny Benderick comes in second with a 19.68. And then Noah Lyles finishes with a 19.74. And the 17 year old Arian Knighton comes in fourth with a 19.93. So looking at this field, right, we have the top five 
sprinters in this race go sub 20, which is just crazy. With also shout out to Joe Pambule. Um technically is in America, but his parents are from there, coming in fifth with 19.98. But in an Olympic final for five athletes um to run under 20 seconds is incredible. I mean, whew. but I actually got these predictions right. It wasn't in the right order, but I did get the medalist correct. But it was such an incredible race. So if you guys have not seen the race, so this is how it went down. So both Menderic and Lyles had blazing starts. They really attacked that herd. So entering the whole... Like when I was watching, I'm like, oh, man, Lyles is going to get it. Because Lyles, as you guys know, has had a subpar season, just very inconsistent times. Like a lot of people coming into the Olympics, a lot of people didn't have him as a favorite. But, you know, the way he ran that curve and on that home stretch, he was. going to get it. But unfortunately, he started decelerating. And then both the grass, his top end speed is just ridiculous. His top end speed carried him through the race. Um, same thing with Benderic and they managed to finish right ahead of him. And, you know, I'm so excited because the grass, for those of you who don't know, he is just one of those, he's a consistent medalist, like I said before, but he never had his moment. I feel like after the semis, when he ran that 19, like six, he pulled up in like a 19.7 or something like that. Like, I was like, this is his moment. This is probably with the absence of, you know, Bolt, who retired, you know, this is his moment to shine and really display his true potential. And he did just that. I mean, what do you think about the race, Anthony? The 200-meter dash race um, for track and field, I honestly thought, again, it, it was amazing to watch because seeing how they played out, it, it's just unbelievable to watch sometimes because you don't expect – um, sometimes who will win, but like you said, you got the medalists right, mm-hmm. and all of them actually performed amazing. The start when they started, it, they had an amazing start. They re- they were really aggressive toward the start, and you could see how once they got far enough, they started going a little bit less aggressive, but still aggressive to be able to get to the finish line. And I thought that it was overall amazing. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, um, such an incredible race. Shout out to, you know, the 17-year-old, Arian Knighton. I mean, for you to be 17 oh, in yeah. the Olympic final, you know, competing with, you know, the big That's guys. Incredible. And, you know, he has an extremely bright future ahead of him. If he, you know, God forbid, oh God, if he yeah. suffers any injuries, he's really going to be something special in the years to come. And oh, also, yeah. Bambule, Um, I got to give a shout out to him. I mean... Family is another athlete, man. He he really needs to improve on his starts. I mean, if you saw him, like he's he's a big guy. I mean, yeah, he's huge. Plus, and you know that's oh. really affecting his starts. His top end speed is ridiculous. I mean, the way he was, he just accelerates. He's got those long strides. You know that really carried him to fifth. Mm-hmm. But you know he's another one who could be up there if he can really lean up. Yeah get down to like 180 and you know that because the starts are critical you know that that's one of the things about the 200 yeah. you gotta attack the curve 
you got to attack that curve oh, yeah. because that's crucial. That's going to determine your race. Like you can, you could still, you know, have a poor start and come back and look. Mm-hmm. This field with this caliber of athletes. I mean, you can't. It's it's yeah. nearly impossible. The starting point. Yeah, the starting point is absolutely crucial in the races. Yeah, for sure. All right, let's move on. The quarter mile. Let's see here. Mm-hmm. Pull up these results here. So the 400. So this was probably one of the most open reads for the men's men's field. Um, And we're going to get to the next one. Uh, I really didn't. There was no huge favorite in this one. So this was my, let me tell you guys my medalist. So I had Stephen Gardner from the Bahamas winning. I had Michael Norman of the USA coming in second. The world record holder, waiting for South Africa coming in third. And then fourth place, I had Anthony Zambrano of Colombia. Okay. And the medalist actually for this event was Steven Gardner coming in first with a time of 43.8. Anthony Jose Zambrano of Colombia coming in second with a time of 44.08. And then former Olympic champion all the way back in 2012, Karani Gaines. Coming, someone who has overcame Graves' disease, coming in third with a time of 44.19, with the USA's Michael Cherry finishing fourth with a time of 44.21. Now, this was a race, Stephen Gardner, this, this guy is just, oh my gosh, this guy was in complete cruise control the entire race. I mean, if you look at this man, he had eyes are just incredible i mean the way it's just so beautiful to watch that guy run like he doesn't look like he's fatigued he's just it's all the strides the strides carry him throughout the whole race you know and that's really gonna it's tough to find you know to beat that you know his you know the first half the first 100 and then on the home stretch he just pulled away you know he just strided out maintained his form and you know he finished and so, you know, he was incredible. Um, Zambrano, I mean, talk about finishing speed. Like, he closed. It's not surprising because he, um, in the world a couple years ago, he still had that same finish and came in second. But his closing speed was incredible. And Karani James, I mean, entering this Olympics, you know, Karani James, he was on the comeback. He did suffer Graves' disease. I forgot which year it was. I think it was after the 2016 Olympics. And he was someone who was supposed to be, you know, a potential world record holder in this event. You know, one of the all-time great quarter milers. Um, you know, so that step back, you know, that he had. Uh, it's great. It's amazing to see him back on the podium. Um, but, you know, looking at my predictions, um, and for those of you who don't know, Wade Van Meeker, he came, he actually was eliminated in the semifinals. Um, you know, to this day, I just don't. He was someone who definitely would have been a sub 43, 400 runner at not towards ACL playing rugby. 
like that, you know, it's really upsetting because, you know, he just had the potential, you know, severe of the injury and, you know, just trying to find his form. It's just, you know, it's tough to watch. Um, but I thought that he was, you know, he was in a position, you know, he was motivated. It was the Olympics. He ran the world record that he was actually going to show out. But unfortunately, it just didn't happen. And then Norman, Michael Norman, you know, someone who came out of college looking so, you know, good, looking like another all-time great. He just hasn't been the same since that 44, that 43.45 year in in 2019. Just, he looked heavy, not not the same, the same potential that we saw. And um, we'll see what happens to him, but still, you know, this was an open race. This was an open field. Like, um, even though Gardner, because I think Gardner only ran one race prior to the Olympics. So we didn't know where his fitness is, but, you know. Watch this guy run. It's like, he's invincible. I, I just, it's going to be tough to see someone beat him. He, and in the years to come, we'll see, you know, that world record, he could challenge that world record. Um. We'll have to see there. What do you think about the 400, Anthony? The 400 was probably overall one of my favorite races, mainly because of the fact of Colombia getting at least second place. And, <laughs> and considering the athlete has the same name as me. But yeah. they, they did an amazing job. Uh, considering, obviously, I'm Venezuelan, uh, Colombia and Venezuela have very good relations with each other. So it's amazing to see somebody of a country that I or a place that I know of and that I have many friends from get be able to do such justice to their to their homeland and and considering how you said you thought he was going to get at least maybe fourth place he finished off with an insane closing speed and got to that second place and his he definitely deserved it and as for for first place and the rest of them, they, they like you said, there was one that uh, overcame that disease. I believe it was in twenty seventeen or twenty eighteen. He had the disease. Yeah, I believe um, so. And but he he overcame it, and he still he still went ham. He he did amazing for coming back from that and getting back on his feet. Um. Because that, that's definitely something you don't see every day, you know. You don't see somebody who used to have this bad of a disease or an injury come back and still have the force to win, you know. Yeah. So I thought it was overall an amazing race to watch. A couple surprises that caught me off guard. But at the same time, it was just overall amazing. Yeah, definitely. All right, now... This next event, oh my gosh, this, this was probably, this was probably the most, this was the most open field out of the entire men's final. Not only was this the most open field, but in my opinion, this was the worst race, probably one of the worst Olympic races I have ever seen. And that is the men's 800 meters. Let me give you my prediction. All right, these are my few race favorites. So I had Nigel Amos of Botswana, okay, 
the silver medalist back from 2012 with that that incredible Rudisha world record coming Clayton Murphy of the USA coming in second, won trials, and Ferguson Rotich of Kenya finishing third, with fourth place being Isaiah Jewett, the Naruto super fan, coming on. <laughs> now, this is the finishing, these were the medalists. So we had Emmanuel Courier of Kenya finishing with a 145.06. You have Ferguson Rotich finishing with a 145.23. And then Rick Dobek of Poland finishing with a 145.39. Now, for those of you who don't know, a 145, this is an incredibly slow time for an 800 meter final. They ran faster. Um, the NCAA finals was a the time was even faster. It was like a one forty four. I mean, for an Olympic final on such a amazing, you know, fast track, a one forty five. Like it's like when I watch that race, it's like nobody wanted to push the pace. Like in the first lap of fifty three. Fifty three is such. That's I mean, unless somebody had a massive negative split. 53 is such, that's a slow time. Like, the average time for Olympic finals should be like a 50-51. For them to come in at a 53, and, you know, Courier, you know, all the credit to Courier, you know, no disrespect. He's an incredible, has a lot of potential. But if you guys see this way the man looks on the home stretch when he's trying to kick, I mean, he's just bobbling his head up and down. He's just fighting. And it's, to look at someone like that, you know, it's like, what? I mean, I was extremely disappointed because another thing, too, uh, Nigel Amos, who was initially, he was DQ'd in the semifinals because he tripped with Jewett. Um, he was actually in this final. So he had another, a second. You know, to really prove that he's the second fastest runner all time. Well, at the moment in this event. And he completely fell apart, came in eight. Like, he's just not a championship runner. He does not know. When it comes to Diamond Leagues, this man is here running 142s. But when it comes to running rounds and a global championship, he just doesn't know, like, how to run. He doesn't know how to adapt um, when it's a tactical race, you know. He only performs... He only excels when it's fast races, like Diamond League, when there's a pacemaker. Like Murphy was, you know, puffing himself up. He came in dead last with a 146. And meanwhile, in trials, he ran a 143. So, you know, for this time, and they even ran faster than the heats and semis. Like, I was extremely... I really wish that Jewett was in the final because if Jewett was in the final, oh my gosh, things would have been the entire landscape of this race would have been completely different. Um, because Jewett, this man just he loves running from the gun, he loves running fast, those fast quarters. I definitely think he would have meddled if he was in the final, but unfortunately, he um he tripped. I mean, I don't even get it too. If, a if Amos was. 
if he was reinstated to the final, why wasn't Jewett? I mean, unless he clipped, that just didn't make any sense to me. But what do you think, Anthony? I know I had that huge rant. <laughs> the, <laughs> the, uh, the, yeah, like you said, the 800 was definitely one of the most disappointing races of the Olympics. Um, they were very slow. I honestly, it, it was very sad to see how slow that they were in this race. Like you said, they with the first lap, they should have come came in around at least like 50, 51 when they came in around like 53, 54. And that was really sad to see because, you know, I, I know because I've watched a lot of these matches that they can do better than that, especially with the 800. Because what they did back in 2016, I believe, with the 800s, it, it was a way different race. It, it was way more, it was way faster. Yeah, because he had Rudisha in there. Yeah, mm-hmm. and it, it was overall really disappointing to see how slow that they were in this race. And yeah. I hope for the best for the next Olympics that they can do better. Yeah. Well, if you look at it too, there are some major absences here, like Donovan Brazier, who was the reigning world champion from Doha. Yeah. Unfortunately, he managed to qualify. So, you know, we had some huge right. absences here, but like, come on. I mean, and that's the thing when you're running, like you can sense when a pace is slow, you know, it's like nobody really yeah. wanted to take charge of the race. Right. Exactly. You have those type of tactical races. It's basically whoever has the best kick. And that doesn't really determine who's really right. the top 800 runner because anybody can win that race. It's like who outkicks who. Oh, yeah. So, you know, I, I was disappointed. I you know I knew this was an open. This was a wide open field. Back to the fastest time, at least a 143. Um, yeah, me but, too. I, I was expecting 143, 142, but yeah, they, they definitely disappointed with that race. Yeah. All right. Now, let's get into the 1500, moving up distance here. Now we're on the second mid-distance race. So, 1500. So, these were my pre-race favorites. I had Timothy Chiriot of Kenya coming in first. I had Jakob Inkebritsken of Norway finishing second. And then I had Mohamed Katir of España finishing third, and then Marcin Leo Lewandowski of Poland coming in fourth. Now, man, this race, so this was the actual finish, top three finish. So Jakob Inkebritsken of Norway, the 20-year-old, finishes with a winning time of 328.32, which was an Olympic record. Timothy Chiriot. Three finished second with a 321.01. And then Josh Kerr of Great Britain finishing third. 329.05. With the other Kenyan, Abel Kipsang, who did set the Olympic record in the semis, running a 329.56. Now, Yaka, man. So this man finally defeated his rival. Jakob is like a huge phenom. He's been on the global scene since he was like 16. Um, you know, he had dramatic, like, 
amazing potential. Just we knew he was going to be great. But, you know, the one, his kryptonite was Chiriot. Like, I believe Chiriot beat him in 13 separate occasions. He never, just never got over the hump. But, I mean, if you look at this race, so let's break it down here. So, when the race started, okay, it was a quick race. I mean, any race with Chiriot. Um, so, so, Chiriot was leading. And then Jakob um, was just right, you know, right, right behind him. Like he was basically letting him pace him because any race with Chiriot is going to be fast. Um, and then basically he just let him pace and didn't get too aggressive. But... And then on the final lap, basically that final 200, Jakob just produced this huge surge and just blew right past Chiriot. Um, and he finished like, you know. He was looking back and everything, too, and, you know, he took over. And, you know, I'm extremely... You know, I follow him on IG. He always posts his training. Um, you know, he trains with his brothers, his two older brothers, who were also professional runners. Um, and his dad coaches him. You know, it was just incredible. Um, but what I learned, um, when I learned from a different podcast was... Which is bad. And, and Chiriot's coach, they actually discussed that they wanted to push the pace because um, they wanted to be, you know, a fast race. So both Jakob and Chiriot can finish in the top two. Um, and, you know, they executed as planned. And, you know, and I love it because, as you guys know, um, for some of my track fans, 2016, when we talk about probably one of the worst races, Olympic races, like 2016 is kind of up there with the 800 from this year. Um, now, the winning time from 2016, believe it or not, was a 350. Yeah, you heard that right. 350 in the same distance. And that race was just a, a pain to watch. Um, and, you know, I don't even want to watch that race again. That was just that. And that, you know, the world record for the females is like 350, 350.07, I believe. And for them to run a 350, it was like that race, nobody wanted to go. It was like they're legit walking. Um, so it's great to see that, you know, you have these young, you know, who decided, you know, I'm not going to let it be a, a kick. I'm going to push the pace and they're going to have to come after me. I'm going to make them work for the medal. And I applaud them. And, you know, shout out to Josh Kerr of Great Britain. Um, nearly almost um, caught Chiriot at the end, but he's someone who has finished in, you know, he was always a finalist, but he just never found his way on the medals. Um, so it was just a great wait, um, race to watch. And I definitely believe we're seeing the passing of the tour. Jakob is slowly but surely becoming, you know, the king of the 1500. And I definitely think that world record, 326 flat, by one of, you know, the greatest mid-distance runners, if not the greatest mid-distance runners, Hisham el is definitely in jeopardy. Um, what do you think about that race, Anthony? Um, the 1500 definitely was way more fast paced than the 800 um 
I honestly believe, like you said, the passing of the torch is definitely going down to Yaka. Um, first and second, they did amazing. They were right at each other's throats with it. But at the same time, they Yaka won it. So ha- yeah. hands down to that because he, he did amazing. He was, he was making the other ones work for that. Exactly. And he gave them a run for their money for sure. And I was honestly very surprised with that race. So I loved it. Yeah, Jakob is spe- he's only twenty years old. He's not even entered his prime yet. He can oh, wow. he can continue for like, you know, the next Olympics is in three years. He'll be twenty three. The following Olympics, so Paris in twenty four and then LA in twenty eight. Okay, so he, we're looking at Jakob, you know, definitely being a contender for the next, you know, two oh, Olympics. Yeah. You know, he's... Yeah, because like he's going to be pretty much at the peak. Yeah. That world he's, record is definitely gone. At the peak age. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Shout out to American Walker. Um, the origin stand... The Oregon standout. Um, you know, he's someone, too. You know, he coming in, he didn't even have the Olympic standard. Uh... Mm-hmm. In trials, he did win trials. He basically based his standard off of the the world rankings. So he wasn't even a sure lock to compete at these Olympics. But, you know, I appreciate Hawker. He's a fighter. Um, you know, his racing pattern, he really has to work on not getting boxed in because in that race he was getting boxed in a lot and he kind of got lost yeah. in the race. But he has an extremely, he has a devastating kick. Like, he's going to be special. He's, he's going to continue progressing from here on. And the fact that he's run, like, 35 races prior, he's been of this year, you know, on a high level. And for him to finish six, you know, it's incredible, 331.40. Um, he's also going to be one oh, to wow. watch in the future, yes. Yeah, I agree with you on the fact that his kick was definitely devastating. And he does need to work on not getting boxed in. Because if you noticed, he did lose a little bit of speed when he was getting boxed in. Which that would definitely contemplate why he got around sixth place. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's the thing, too. with with Yeah. And that's the thing when you're in these mid-distance and distance races. You got to, you kind of, when you get boxed in, you know, when athletes, runners box you in, you know, it's preventing you. The reason they're doing that is because it's preventing you from actually executing your racing pattern. Like when you're boxed in, it's tough. You got to find your way out. And that's usually how a lot of athletes trip because they're stuck. They can't move. They're going out on the pace as that athlete who was ahead of them. So it kind of right. disturbs their racing pattern. So he's got to really work on, you know, running on the outside, um, trying to avoid those situations, um, because he'll be a medalist. I even think next oh, year in Worlds. Sure. Um, but yeah, you know, great potential, yeah, young talent, and I'm definitely we're gonna see him back here next year and the next. Yeah, Olympics. I look forward to that. All right, now. Um, now, this, in my opinion, was 
probably the biggest upset of these entire Olympics in track and field. Um, the 110 hurdles. Now. So. Oh, before we for, um, before we um, get into the hurdles, uh, just so you guys know, Mohamed Katir of Spain didn't compete in the who I, who placed third didn't compete in the 15. He did compete in the five, which I don't know why. I think he had a better opportunity in the 15. Um, and then Marcin Lewandowski of Poland, he actually pulled up in the semifinals. Um, I think he may have tweaked something. So for those of you guys wondering what happened to them. All right. Now back to the hurdles. Now. Right. I had Grant Holloway, who has been invincible, like, these past two years um, in the hurdles. Just, you know, he had a huge undefeated streak. Um, I had him coming in first. I had another Spaniard, Orlando Ortega, finishing silver. And then I had Ronald Levy of Jamaica coming in third with Daniel Roberts finishing in fourth. Now, the finishers, this was the top three from Rio. So, or not Rio, Tokyo. Of Jamaica, the 2012 bronze medalist, pulled one of the hugest upsets, winning in a time of 13.04. Grant Holloway managed to barely hold on for silver, running a 13.09. And then Ronald Levy of Jamaica, finishing with a 13.10. And then Devin Allen, another Oregon standout, decided to pursue a career in track and field rather than football or the NFL, finishing in fourth. Now, this race was... You guys noticed. When you see Grant Holloway, Holloway run, he basically, he attacks those hurdles. Like, he jumps up and he just sustains um, the herd. Like, he sustains the entire race. He's able to sustain his speed. Like, the way he gets his steps, I believe he's, like, three. He just, so he just attacks those hurdles. Like, you know, he was just looking so good. And we were even, you know, a lot of people are even projecting him to break the world record. But the difference with this race from his prior races was the first half. Like, he was... Blowing out the. But towards the end of the race, like the last maybe four or three hurdles, he started really hitting hurdles and it really affected his, um, you know, his strides, his steps. Um, it really disrupted his momentum and that really caused, and then Parchment just came out of nowhere. Um, and Levy was actually even catching up. Um, and they passed Holloway. And, you know, when we were watching, I'm like, what? It just, you know, the biggest moment, like the biggest race of your career. And for him to just fold like that. About the hurdles. Like, hurdles are, you know, it's, it's a technical race. It's, you know, because you're not just sprinting. You're sprinting and you're hurdling. So anything can happen. Like, you can hit hurdles. You can fall. Um, and, you know. That's what happened to Holloway. He just didn't look dominant as, um, as he's done in prior races. And, you know, 
Shout out to Jamaica. I mean, Jamaica had a huge, on the men's side, we'll get to the women in the next, another podcast. Um, they were just struggling. This is their only gold medal um, in the entire Olympics. No, shout out to Jamaica. Jamaica. I did have, Levy. I did have two of the medalists. Um, but unfortunately, Orlando Ortega, who definitely would have been behind Holloway in 2019, um, he did not compete. He scratched. Um, so that's why he wasn't, we didn't see him in the final. And then Daniel Roberts from the USA was out in the semifinals. What do you think about this race? What do you think about this upset, Anthony? For for the starting on the hurdles, I really was definitely surprised on Jamaica getting the gold medal. It, you're correct about it being definitely one of the biggest upsets for the Olympics. But definitely good job to Jamaica on getting that gold medal. I know it was they were having a bit of a rough time and it was the only gold medal they got. But they they for Holloway, you're right. He he wasn't calculating when to jump correctly, so he started hitting hurdles, and it definitely did affect him in the end because people started passing him, and he lost momentum, and he probably even lost his balance at, at one point. Yeah, and it, it was definitely sad to see that because when you're doing these races, you need to you need to be able to calculate when to jump correctly, and. <laughs> It honestly brings a lot of math into the into the Olympics because you have to calculate exactly how to jump and when to jump to be able to get over these hurdles and continue running. So exactly. it, it was definitely harsh to see that um, he started calculating it incorrectly. Yeah, and another thing too is you know you're running in a field, you're running against eight other athletes, um, and or mm-hmm. no, actually seven. So when you and everyone hits hurdles, every any hurdle race that you watch that you watch, you notice nobody's perfect. Everyone is. So the fact that people are hitting the people next to you are hitting hurdles really affects your could potentially affect your race because you're hearing the, the noise of the hurdles, you know, and it could kind of disrupt your momentum. That's why you really have to be mentally focused. It's not just, you know, this is a very physical. Right. Because um, you got to kind of, kind of like take that away, kind of like extract that from your mind and just focus on your race, executing your, you know, right. race. So, you know, huge yeah, upset. And, but and you could definitely, you, you could definitely tell when a couple of the other ones were hitting hurdles, he got a little bit distracted at yes. some points and you could tell he was letting the noise get to him. Yeah. So. But, you know, shout out to Holloway. He was very – he wasn't as upset. He still congratulated the Jamaicans, and his interview mm-hmm. was pretty um, positive. So we're definitely – we'll yeah. see Holloway back. Um, this is not the end for him. He is still a dominant – I mean, 12.81. He's flirting with that world record. He's – I'm – there's no doubt in my mind that he's going to break it next year. He's oh, literally no, he right there. He, he definitely has the potential to break the world record. Now, this honestly, guys, this. spoiler. This is probably one of the most hype, intense, greatest Olympic races coming up. The men's four hundred meter hurdles. Oh my gosh! Entering this event, okay, 
this was probably one of the greatest races, not only just because of the, you know, the field. Three of the finishers. So let me give you my, basically my, let me give you my series favorites. So I had Warhol, Carson. World record holder coming in first. Benjamin of the USA coming in second. Dos Santos from Brazil coming in third. And then Kyron McMaster coming in fourth. And those were my top four finishers. Those were the actual top four finishers. But all ran under the former world record, which was 46.75. So Carson Warholm broke the world record earlier in his first race of the season, running a 46.70. Now, going from... Like, everyone knew this was a battle between Benjamin and Warhol um, because both both of them were running incredible times. I mean, Benjamin in trials ran the second fastest time ever. So we knew that the world record was going down. But we... A sub-46. I mean, 45.94. Oh, my gosh. And if you just watch this race, I mean, Warhol... He's just, I mean, his strength is just out of this world. I mean, he, I say it time and time again, he legit exp- a lot of things that you tell your track athletes not to do in a 400. And that's to kind of run as hard as you can that first 200 because we all know in a track race, if you run that first 200 hard, aggressive in that 400, you're really going to feel it entering that home stretch. You're really going to, the lactic acid builds up and you're just fighting the finish. But his, he's able to sustain that strength, that same explosive strength that he has in the first 200, he sustains it. And this was the race. So entering the 200, the 300, Warholm had the lead. Benjamin was closing on in on him, which we expected. Um, and over the last hurdle, they were like neck and neck. And then Warholm had that last surge um, and finished. And I'm like, what? I mean, a 45, like no one was expecting that. Like I predicted coming in, I was predicting probably like a 46.5. Um, Warholm was going to run a 46.5, but a 49.94 is incredible. And check this out. Any other year. Any other competitive year. Okay. Not even the top, like, the top five times would have won an Olympics or World Championships. The fact that it's 46.17 guarantees you only second. Ridiculous. I mean, if this was any other era, any other, you know, year, you know, Warholm, Benjamin, Dos Santos, McMaster, all could have potentially won a gold. That's just how deep this 400 hurdles, how the caliber of this field is. And, you know, a hard worker, he ended up, he actually burned his head. He burned off his hair um, earlier on. I'm not sure when, but it's just an incredible story. And he's been improving every single race. He's like basically right behind Warholm and Benjamin. And he's definitely one to watch. I believe he's only like 2021. 20, and, you know, 
he's also just not even in his prime yet. But man, this race was just so amazing to watch. Like it was so intense because no coming in, entering in, like no one expected. A lot of people had Benjamin winning because you know Benjamin has more quarter but you know Warholm, you know don't count out you know the two-time world champion i mean he's a two-time world champion for a reason and you know nobody knew who was gonna win um i had confidence in my man Warholm. i i predict i mean i predicted he was gonna win but you know benjamin it was just like it was either one of them and you know Man, that, I mean, I will just continue watching that race because it was just so exciting and intriguing to watch. Well, what do you think about that race, the 400 hurdles? The, the 400 hurdles was definitely insane. Um, like you said, Warholm, he had a explosive amount of strength. It, it almost reminded me of, you know, Bakugo's explosions in My Hero Academia. Oh. But... <laughs> But then Benjamin coming neck to neck with him was absolutely incredible. And then you had Brazil right there with them. So it, it, it was insane to watch. And Benjamin could have won that if Warholm would have at least messed up on a couple of hurdles. He Benjamin could have won that. But with his explosive strength, there there is no matching that for sure. Exactly. And um, that's the thing, too, because Warholm, any race with Warholm, you know, it's, you know, his racing tactic, you know, he's going to go out hard. In order for someone to yeah. beat Warholm, you have to go with him. Okay, because you're not, you know, and this is the two determine that strength outweighs speed. Like I said before, Benjamin has more foot speed. If it was an open four, Benjamin could beat yeah. Warholm. But the strength that Warholm has, you know, it matches doesn't it outmatches the speed that Benjamin? That's why Benjamin really had yeah. after that last hurdle. But you know, yeah, man, who would have thought a forty-five nine-four? I mean, that time yeah. I was actually from another podcast I listened to. Um, shout out to the Flow Track podcast, by the way. Um, that time I believe was like seventy, and like the open four. So that cracked the top 100 in, like, and all the athletes who run a 400 without hurdles. And, man, I love it, man. I, and he gets so pumped up, too. Like, every time before the race, this man's like, oh, yeah. And, like, where? He's such, it's just so exciting for us, man. I love Warholm. And yeah, um, he, he definitely has the energy to win the yeah. whole thing. Yeah. Oh, man. All right, now, moving up. Now we're going to move up the distance to the 3,000-meter steeplechase. Now, this was another open event, somewhat of an open event. Um, the world, the reigning Olympic champion, Conselis Cabruto of Kenya, um, fortunately had suffered an injury and didn't compete. My predictions are my biggest favorites. I had Lametra Gurma, who was a silver medalist in the World Championships from 2019, finishing first. I had El Bacali finishing second from Morocco. And then I had Ethiopia coming third. 
And I didn't even have a fourth place because I was really kind of unsure about this field. I wasn't really familiar with the athletes in the steeplechase. But I almost got it. I mean, I got the order incorrect. Um, El Bacali did win, running an 808. Gurma and then Benjamin Kiging, Kiging, sorry if I pronounced the name wrong, from Kenya comes in third with Wale, Gannett Whale, or I don't know how to pronounce it. I think it's Whale coming in fourth. <laughs> so I was close there. Like Bacali, he's someone who's been very consistent um, in these past few championships. He always finds his way on the medals. He's another one who's always came in second, third. He never really had that breakout moment. And once again, I felt like this was his moment. Um, the notable absence of Kipurito, someone that he just never defeated in his entire um, running career. Um, he really took advantage of that, and he executed a perfect racing pattern. I mean, he basically let all the East Africans um, pace him throughout the race. He he didn't, didn't want to go. go. He basically was slacking right behind him. And then on the last lap, he basically made a huge surge right past him. He surged right past the men. He finished strong, had amazing finishing, um, had amazing finishing kick, and managed to outkick both Gurma and Tigging. And, you know, he was very patient. That's the thing with these distance races. It, you know, you have to be patient. It requires a huge amount of patience. You don't want to be too get too over ambitious and kind of blaze out to a blistering start because in as a laps progresses, especially in the steeplechase, when you're jumping over hurdles, you have the water jump, you know, you want to make sure you're pacing yourself correctly. You want to make sure that you're not going, you know, your first the first half of the race, um, you know, is not so you have to be conservative. Because if you push it the first half, like anything, you know, you're going to fail to finish and most likely even fall um, in the water jump. So I feel like he definitely executed that race perfectly. Um, once again, he's been very consistent with the meddling. Um, and, and the way he's been running, um, you know, this was his moment. And I'm actually happy for him because he really works hard. And, you know, who knows? And Kipruto's back to 100% next year. Um, and then, of course, Gurman, you can't count him out. I mean, we'll see. This may be a potential path to, you know, we'll call it, you know, an event that was dominated for many years by Kenyans. I mean, we're talking about Kemboy, um, Kipruto, a lot of, you know, this was an event that Kenyans dominated. Um, you know, over the past few years, you know, we've seen a lot of different step up you know we had Gator unfortunately who didn't compete in the USA due to injury we've had Gurma so a lot of these other countries are really making a name for themselves in the steeplechase what do you think about this race the steeplechase Anthony <laughs> the 3000 uh like you said Macaulay definitely got his time to shine it is definitely his moment to come in and win after um like you said, his Cabruno's absence was definitely a turning point for him to be able to come into this thing and win. Because um, if Cabruno was there, most likely it would have 
been the same as a lot of other races where he ended up second or third. Yeah. But he's definitely, like you said, he's definitely been consistent. And I'm really happy for him that he's now getting his moment to shine because they all deserve their moment to shine, especially if you work as hard as he does. Exactly. Yeah, so shout out to Bacalli. Um Definitely going to be looking for yes. definitely a contender next year um, for the world. Oh, yeah. All right, moving up the distance. Now we are on the – what was it? Uh, we're on the – where are we? Uh, 5,000, 5K. Now, here are my pre-race favorites. So I had Joshua Cheptegei of Uganda coming in first. I had Jacob Kipolimo of Uganda, his countryman. Second. And, and then I had Jakob Inkebritskin from Norway, the 20-year-old phenom, um, coming in third with Mohamed Ahmed of Canada coming in fourth. Now, Jakob actually was initially, I believe, but he scratched at the last moment, which I think was um, great because who knows, that probably would have affected the, you know, the wear and tear of those, you know, two 5Ks probably would have affected him in the 15th like it did in Worlds. So I'm actually glad he scratched and he focused. So he didn't compete. Um, but one of my, I mean, I got my gold medal favorite, you know, right. So for those of you who don't know, Joshua Cheptegei, he is the world record holder in both the 5 and 10K. So there was no surprise that he was not, um, he was definitely a heavy favorite coming in. But one of the things with Chep the guy is his, like, he has incredible, not only endurance, he has incredible stamina. When he ran that world record race last year in the 5K, I believe his average, his average lap times were, right? Which is incredible to run even splits for all, I think, how much is a 5K? I believe it's 12 laps. 12 and a half laps around the track. Um, so definitely, um, he was a favorite. But, you know, in these world championships, in this setting, um, you know, where you have a lot of other runners, a lot of other runners with foot speed, um, you know, and usually Olympic races are not usually, it's more tactical rather than, you know, fast times. So one of the things I noticed that check the guy, I really didn't think he had was foot speed and, has he improved on that foot speed? I mean, the way his kick, you know, his kick is great. Like, he has an incredible kick. And, you know, oh, let me break down the medalists here. So, Cheptegei won with 1258.15. Mohamed Ahmed of Canada comes in second with a 1258.61. And then Paul Chalimo, um, Kenyan-born but runs for the USA, came in third with a 1259. Barely edging out, basically dived at the end, um, edging out Nicholas Camelli coming in fourth. Um, and Jacob Kiblimo did finish fifth. So um, shout out to the medalist. But if you guys watched that race, Mohamed Ahmed had this huge kick. Like he really, if he was too far behind, if he was actually closer to check the guy, 
he definitely could have potentially outkicked him. He was just too far behind. He let the race, he let Chep the guy come in, um, get too far from him. But he had an amazing closing kick. But going back to Chep the guy, I mean, he's an incredible, I mean, an event that it's really dominated the long distance events. Like, Uganda is really putting a name for themselves. Like, they're stepping in um, as, you know, it's not just Kenya and Ethiopia are the ones who are consistent medalists. Um, now, you know, Uganda is making a name for themselves. Right now, I feel like it's probably, you know, potential on pace of being an all-time great distance runner. Uh, what do you think about this race, the 5K? The the 5K race was definitely good. And like you said, Ahmed definitely had an amazing kick. And I'm honestly pretty surprised, not at the fact that um, we got that gold medalist, but that that if Ahmed could have been closer to him, that he would have he could have outkicked him and won, like yeah. you said. But at the same at the same time, it's like he he was going at it. the The gold medalist definitely blew it out the water mm-hmm. and gave it his all for sure. Yeah, great race. It was um, definitely a good race. And then, like I said before, Mohammed Katir, who I had. Coming in third, finishing third in the fifteen hundred. He did finish eighth in this race. Um, he definitely was, even though he did scratch the fifteen. He did coming in. He did have a PR of like a twelve fifty something PR in the five k. So yeah. he was. He could have medaled. He would have been in contention. But you know, looking at that race, he was really fatiguing. Um, towards the back half of the race. And, you know, these East Africans, nobody, you know, around the world, I mean, East Africans dominate the distance races. I mean, that's all they do. I mean, they run to work. They, you know, there's not, running is in their blood. They run everywhere, basically. That's why, you know, all these years, you know, it's a battle of the East Africans. And these long distance. do a lot. They definitely do a lot of running. And even, yeah. So shout out to these three medalists. Uh, once again, a great race. Now, final individual running event for the men. The 10,000 meters. Now, this was the first final of the games. This was on the first day. So let me give you my medalist previous favorites. It was... So I had Joshua, Joshua Cheptegei, once again, coming in first. Jacob, or no, oops, my bad. Jacob Kaplimo of Uganda coming in second. And then Solomon Borega of Ethiopia finishing fourth, or no, no, finishing third. And then Yomif Kijelka of Ethiopia coming in fourth. Now, I got... But it was a little bit out of order. So it ended up being Solomon Borrega winning this time with a time of 27 point or 2743.22. Check the guy came in second with a 2743. 
and that's just a few months kind of there with a 2743.88 with Baruhu Aragali of Ethiopia finishing in fourth with 2746. Now, I actually watched this entire race. I think this was kind of a tactic. This was a tactic race for the Ugandans because there was three Ugandans in this event. Um, so in the beginning of the race, one of the Ugandans really pushed the pace. I think this was more, I'm pretty sure they had a discussion entering this race that, you know, we're going to go one, two. Um, Chapter guy and Kiplima were attempting to go one, two. So they were trying to, this one Ugandan actually, you know, took charge. He had a huge lead, really pushed the pace in the early stages of the race. Um, I think that was trying to aid them. He was trying to aid uh, and it did actually work. I mean, he did back out or he did um, step off the track because, I mean, there was no way he was going to sustain that pace. Um, but the thing with the 10,000 is such a long race. You know, it's a race of, you know, you got to be very patient in these long distance races because you may have the lead and then next thing you know, you're back at the end. You want to make sure you're pacing yourself correctly. You're hitting those splits, your lap splits. You've got to run your own race. You can't follow the race of another athlete. Mess up your race path and cause you to die out. So you have to run at your own. You have to run your own race. And I feel like that race was more suited to check the guy um, just because he's the world record holder. And Caplimo's right behind him. Now, Borrega basically was in the mix the entire time. On that final lap, Borrega came out of nowhere and had this huge kick. Um, you know, outkicking both Cheptegei and Kiplimo for the medal. Um, and once again, 27.43, that's a, you know, it's a long-distance event. It's tactical. I do believe it was humid that day. So the heat did take a toll in that race. So... It's really rare that you see world records in these longer distances. It's more of a tactical race. So, you know, Borrega outkicked. He had the best kick out of that entire field. Um, but, yeah, such an incredible race. I wouldn't say it was an upset because I did have Cheptegei because Cheptegei is the reigning world champion. So I would say this was probably the second biggest upset of – the meat. What do you think? About the the 10K is a long race for sure. Yeah. And the heat and humidity with Japan, especially during the summer, does affect that. Um, Japan has a very harsh summer. So <laughs> mm -hmm. it's definitely, it definitely gets in the way of that. But they did amazing. They definitely ran an amazing race for it. And I think with that, they would have, they should have just played it a bit safer and, like you said, played their own race. But that they should have played it better during the beginning and then went aggressive more toward the end. Because if you go all all out in the beginning, that could affect how you how you play out in the end. Because, like you said, you could be in first place in the beginning and like last place in the end because you give out during that time mm -hmm. and 
I thought it was a really good race. Like you said, um, Chapter Guy didn't end up getting first place as the reigning world champ, as the reigning world record. And I, I, I was honestly upset about that because I thought he was going to win as well. And when I saw he, he didn't end up in first place, I was like, okay. But, you know, it was definitely upsetting to a lot of people. So I definitely can agree with that. And shout out, also shout out to Grant Fisher. Man, this, he has come a long way um, from the USA coming oh, yeah. in fifth place. I mean, I've been watching him since he was in high school. I mean, he coming, you know, Grant Fisher, he was one of the top um, in America, basically. He was everywhere. Um, he was, you know, I forgot what his times were, but he had, like, some of the type top, you know, distance times in high school history. Um, you know, and then he finishes four years of college, and now to see him fifth, you know, beating a mad, you know, and three other East Africans, you know, that's incredible um, for him to be up in that field. Um, you know, once again, it's so tough. Like, USA has a lot of talented distance runners, but when you're, you know, these East Africans, I guess in the 5,000, you know, it's it's tough. It, it's You're not going to beat them. I mean, we haven't seen it, you know, in the past, you know, blank years for an American to medal in this type of event. Actually, the last actually, um, who was it? Oh, yeah, Rupp. Rupp was actually the last American to medal in this in 2012. Um, but still, you know, to be up there, to finish fifth, he has to be proud of himself. Because that is extreme. It was extremely deep field. And he's very patient. He's a patient runner. Um, he was up there. He was in the middle of the pack. Um, he basically paced himself, you know, the entire race. Unfortunately, he couldn't outkick the, you know, the East Africans. But he ran a very smart race. You know, he played it safe. Um, he didn't get out of his comfort zone. And he finished well. Incredible race for fit. Oh, yeah. All right, now, let's get into the relays. Let's get into these relays. Let's see here. We got the four by one. Let's start off four by one. Now, coming into this race, we had, we had, uh, let me see here. Yeah, so I had the USA winning. I had South Africa coming in second. And then I had Japan coming in third. Now, this race. This race. So, Italy. Italia, once again, shocks the world and wins the gold medal. Basically running down, Great Britain finished in second with a 37.51. And then Canada, DeGrasse winning his third with a 37.70, and then China just missing out the medals. I really wanted the Chinese to medal. They came in fourth with 37.79. Um, but once again, that four by one was just incredible. So let me just give you a breakdown of the medals that I had. USA did not advance the finals. They were out in the semis. They finished fifth or sixth in the semis. And one of the reasoning behind this and this just comes back to, you know, just the 4 by one The 4 by one is a very technical race, okay? 
you're half of the time across the track in the most efficient way possible. Okay, it's not based on who are the fastest runners. It's basically getting that baton around the track and making sure that you stay within the exchange zones. From what I heard from what the one of the athletes, Craven Gillespie, said, that they did not practice. The USA did not practice at all for the 4 by one They just kind of threw everyone together. All the, the finalists in the 100, they threw them together. And it backfired. Um, I do not believe, for some reason, I don't even understand why Gillespie was the anchor, because he was the slowest athlete. They had Romel. Romel was first leg, I believe. I think Curly was second leg and Baker was third. But, I mean, that order was ridiculous. I mean, for even though they had bad exchanges, um, I mean, they should have been in the final. They had enough talent to get to the final. But this, this just shows you, you, know, you don't talent. It's not always about talent. We may have the most talented field um, sprinters in the world. But if you don't get those exchanges, those batons around the changes, I mean, you'll end up losing. Any time support. Um, but yeah, you know, all of these other countries have their teams. They have their relay teams. Because they know they're not going to have the fast. They don't have the fastest 100 runners in the world. You know. But they formulate, they practice as a team exchange across the zones so they can end up finishing, you know, may not medal or they're running their best best race, okay, which may let um, land them in the podium. And so for USA, you know, I'm not surprised the USA has had many years in the 4 by one um, I think they just recently won Worlds in 2019. But if you look um, prior to that, you know, disqualifications, you know, failed drug tests, um, you know, a lot of uncertainties with the American teams in the, the 4 by one relay. But um, South Africa, South Africa, I think, was a dark horse team in this 4 by one With Sambini, they had two sub-10 runners, and they had the collegiate athlete. I don't know how to pronounce his name. He has a long last name. Um, unfortunately, in the semis, you know, the pressure caught up to him, you know, being on that huge stage. So, unfortunately, they didn't advance. They got DQ'd and didn't advance to the final. And then Japan, who was actually very disappointing in these games, I don't even think they meddled in um, the Olympics in um, track. No. They didn't. They did not finish. And J Japan is a team that really, who rarely, like, you know, makes mistakes in the 4 by one That was really shocking to see them um, mm -hmm. hold like this, especially in 2016. I mean, to this day, that's still probably one of the greatest 4 by one my favorite 4 by one um, races. But, you know, really disappointed in the Japanese. I really thought they could have, um, they could have meddled in this. They could have gotten at least third. Um, but shout out to, I mean, Italy. I mean, it, like ran down Great Britain um, for that medal. I okay. mean, that was just an incredible finish. I mean, if Italy, five gold medals, that, you know, kudos to them. Nobody, you know, this was the most surprising 
you know, games. No one would think that, you know, they would have finished. They would have had five goals in track and field. Um, so shout out to them. And, yeah. Let's look at – any thoughts, Anthony? I'm a four by one. I honestly – like, I'm honestly quite disappointed in the Japanese as well. Um, They did not medal at all during track or field. I know they – for a couple other sports that they did medal, I believe um, they ended up medaling in indoor volleyball. Yeah, um, and I know. Venezuela. Mm-hmm. But um, other than that, I was very disappointed with uh, the Japanese and kudos to Italy on getting the five gold medals for track and field. They definitely had a good lineup for that. And yeah. Yep. Always interesting. There's so many uncertainties in that. Um, always expect the unexpected with the four by one. <laughs> All right. Um, and also Jamaica. I did have Jamaica finishing fourth. They did finish in fifth. Um, so once again, you know, Jamaicans. I've I've discussed this in prior podcasts, but you know, I don't know what Jamaica. You know, with so much, when you have athletes like Usain Bolt and Yohan Blake coming out of, you know two of the fastest athletes of all time, you know, you would expect them breeding athletes. I mean, I know there's talent in Jamaica. But, you know, when it comes to these pro races, you know, it's just that it's really disappointing. I'm, I'm, I really thought that Jamaica would have had somebody by now. Um, you know, they were breeding someone to be one of the, you know, the next big thing in sprinting. But we'll see what happens there. Now, let's get on to the 4x4, four four. and this was actually not, this was actually pretty anticipated. Um, so I had the USA coming in first, I had Trinidad and Tobago coming in second, and then I had Jamaica coming in third. So these were the USA finishes with a winning time of 255.70, Netherlands finishes in second with a 257.18 and Botswana right the end with a 20 or 257.27 now entering these you know the USA dominates the 4x4 always every single year they're either coming in first or second there is no doubt in my mind that they were going to win I mean so they had, I believe it was Norman, Norman, uh, who else? Uh, Benjamin, Norman, Benjamin, Cherry, and I believe Bryce Edmond was on that team. So those are, you know, some very, you know, 44, 43 quarter milers. So, you know, the four by four is a little bit, you know, less technical. Well, in my opinion, extremely like decrease in technology, um, technical yes. than the four by one. Lost my chain of thought there, but um, you know, you basically have to get. Passing the baton, you just have to be cautious because in that race, when you're passing the batons, you want to get off the track as soon as possible because you have other, um, runners coming in. So you know, it doesn't really require a lot of technicality. You basically um, 
you know, you can put four. Four in there, and you really don't have to worry about dropping a baton or anything. It's completely different from the four by one. So, not surprised with the USA coming in first. The Netherlands, though, did not see. I mean, once again, and this shows to you, you don't have to have the fastest to produce a solid, a great relay team. And the Netherlands, I don't even know if they had any. I'm pretty sure they had individual 400 runners. But I think only one of them probably made the final. Um, so kudos to them. Did not expect them at all at a podium. And then shout out to Botswana. Um, Isaac McQuala, who is he's 35. He's someone who's been around for quite a while. Um, I remember in 2017... They didn't allow him to compete in the 400 because what happened. He was sick or something. I don't remember. Um, but he's someone who's very – he's a 43-400 runner at its best. And he really works hard. He's a hard worker. And I'm really glad that he was able to medal, um, end off his Olympic career with a medal. Um, so shout out to Bob. Jamaica ended up coming in sixth. And then Belgium finished in fourth. So – what do you think about the four by one, Anthony? I mean, the four by four. The four by fours were absolutely amazing. Um, I'd say probably my second favorite race. Um, Benjamin, he did amazing at at that end at, after the fourth exchange, and he ran. Let me tell you, he ran. Yeah, he did. And. Oh my god, that I, it was amazing to see how fast he went. Um, I think they they said he had one of the top flat speeds. Yeah, and, it was like a forty three something split. Yeah, like forty three, forty four, and I was absolutely amazed. And then you see, um, I believe it was Poland or or the Netherlands coming up. Yeah, the Netherlands. Right, yeah, it was the Netherlands coming up in the light blue right behind them, and it. it Netherlands and then the person in orange, I forget where they're from, came up like they were neck and neck. And yeah. it was absolutely an amazing match. Yeah, definitely. Four by four is always exciting to watch sometimes when you have, especially if you have a great, a great team. Like you have like four extremely talented 400 runners. It's always, you know, fun to watch. Uh, mm-hmm. But yeah. So let's look at the final race, final running event we're going to discuss is the men's marathon. But I want to discuss this really quick. Elliot Kipchoge, the marathon GOAT, only athlete to ever to break sub, run a sub two marathon. Once again, displaying his dominance. Winning with a time of 208.38. And then you had Abdi Nagi of the Netherlands. Shout out to the Netherlands with these meddling. Came in second with a 209.58. And then Abdi of Belgium coming in third with a 210. And Lawrence Toronto of Kenya finishing fourth with a 210.02. Kipchoge was basically trolling everybody in this race. Like, it's so hilarious to see because 
in the first watched all two hours, two hours and change of it. Um, Chipchoge was with basically with the pack. Um, basically, I, I don't know which distance it was. Um, but there was one five k split. Um, five that he had completely from the field. He had this huge surge, and he passed basically separated himself. And it's like he had basically had all a lot to give when he finished. So, I mean, once again, it was in Japan. The conditions were so he did play safe. Um, did play very, very safe, but you know, once again, it just displays how dominant of a runner he is in the marathon. I mean, I just can't. He's invincible when it comes to the marathon. I just can't see anybody dethroning him. Um, so so. Uh, just a great athlete, great person. Uh, kudos to him, and I'm really excited to see what he can produce because he still has plenty. He's still in his prime. You know, that's the thing, too, with marathon running. A lot of athletes, because Kipchoge was a former runner. He, was, he used to run. Um, usually what happens is a lot of the distance athletes, once they reach their mid-30s to late-30s, they decide to bypass track and continue training for the marathon. They take their talents to the road. So on top, he's been, you know, around for, you know, he's been on top for like 20 years, two decades, basically. Um, you know, extreme consistency, um, longevity, you know. Kipchoge is probably one of the greatest athletes, in my opinion. Ever, I would say. You know, that's a hot take, but I really think that he's probably one of the greatest athletes, you know, on earth. What he's capable of, you know, doing, producing. Any quick thoughts on the marathon? Uh, the marathon was definitely was definitely insane. Um, good job to Belgium for definitely picking it up. Seeing yeah. that the in the other races they they had placed pretty low. But they definitely, um, they definitely went up in the marathon, and I'm definitely proud of them. And they, and yeah, it it was overall amazing, and they all the competitors did really well in the marathon. Yeah. Um, and also the USA, uh, Galen Rupp, another athlete who was a former 10K, 5K, 10K um runner for the USA for many years. He was up there in Kipchoge. He was up there with Kipchoge in the beginning um, for a good chunk of the race, actually. But when Kipchoge made that surge on that 1.5K, he kind of fell off pace. And I could see he was very fatigued afterwards. And, you know. Yeah. But um, shout out. Still top 10. So kudos to him. Now. Let's discuss really quick some of the field events because there was some very exciting field events. Uh, let's see here. Let's talk about the... So the shot put, really quick. So shout out to Ryan Krauser. Krauser, this man is a GOAT. He is the GOAT shot put, you know, world record holder. I mean, he... The way he throws, I mean, his winning... So this was the... 
the finishing throws. So Ryan Crosby, which was his last throw. Joe Kovacs of the USA finished in second with a 22.65 meter throw. And then Thomas Walsh of New Zealand finished with a 22.47 meter throw. I mean, Krauser just makes it look way. This makes it look super easy. Like, he can, like, throw, like, he can do, like, a soft throw and still throw under over 20 meters. That's just how dominant he is in the chop put. But, man, that, especially that last throw, oh, my gosh. Krauser's a beast. Um, and he definitely, I, I think he's already the GOAT in shot put. Uh, let's see here. Um, did you see the shot put, Anthony? Did you see, like, highlights? Um, or? Yeah, I think I saw the highlights. Uh, he was, yeah, he's incredible. Yeah, he, he threw a really good last throw. Yeah. And then let's see here. Oh, and the high jump, too. This is where shout out to both Mutas Esa Barshim um, of Qatar and then John Mark. Italy. One of Italy's gold medalists um, coming in co 1 2 in the high jump. Incredible competition. I mean, both of them cleared all of their heights. Entering oh, the yeah. final, they cleared every. Any misses. Um, unfortunately, on the last height, um, they couldn't get over 2.39 meters, which is, from my knowledge, is like 7'9, seven, 7 feet 9 inches, I think, something like that. Let me check really quick. I want to make sure I say it. Mm. Let me make sure. Oh, seven, actually, seven feet, seven inches. So that's still oh, wow. incredibly, I mean, that's seven feet. They're high jumping over seven, a seven-foot bar. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's like more than a person. Yeah. Um, but Barshim, I really thought that Barshim was going to. I'm actually surprised that he declared 2.39 because his PR, I believe, is like 2.43. Like, he's he's been flirting with the world record. For years now. So it was actually a little surprising. I thought he was actually going to win. But still. Still won the gold medal. Um, shout out to Italy. Both, both winning gold, gold medals. Um, I really wanted fourth place. Um, Sang-Hak Wu of Korea. He actually had a good um, tournament as well. A good jump. Uh, really was rooting for him to medal. But. Missed it. Uh, looking down the list, also the American, Javon Harrison. Uh, shout out to him. He attempted a double in the high jump and long jump. Unfortunately, um, you know, he's got some, he's got to improve on his high jump technique because if you see him high jump, it's kind of like, you could tell he's like an athlete. Like he's, high jump yeah. like a basketball player. <laughs> Be honest. <laughs> yeah, I, I saw his high jump. It was more of a basketball player. Yeah, he looks more it's more athletic rather than technique. But still yeah. shout out to him. He's really talented. Um, but his better field event though was a long jump. And I believe um well unfortunately he didn't medal there, but you know, he had a long collegiate season. So he's definitely gonna be one to watch in the future. Um and 
Let's see here. What other interesting? Um, shout out to Armand Duplantis for winning world record holder. Um, six point zero two meters, which converts. That's actually converted to nineteen feet. So, well, actually, technically, you rounded up 19 feet, 8 inches. Um, and Duplantis is incredible. Um, unfortunately, I really wish that we could have seen Sam Kendricks in this field because, um, as you, some of you guys know, he, fortunately, COVID um, and wasn't allowed to compete in the Olympics. So, he was a reigning Olympic champion. So, it really would have been great to see him and Duplantis go head-to-head. But still, an incredible performance by Duplantis. I mean, he is the world record holder, so, you know, that was anticipated. Um, and then shout out to India, too. I believe India had a medalist. I think it was, like, their first gold medal in a field event since, like, the 1900s in the javelin throw. Let's see here. Yeah. Who right. was it? Right. Naraj Chopra. Yeah. Yeah. Naraj him 87.5 meters um incredible that especially india when you talk about track nobody really mentions india is like one of those countries that really don't excel in athletics so to see somebody you know to see an outlier like it's incredible so kudos to him and basically kudos to all the medalists this like i said this was an incredible competition very exciting um, basically lived up to the hype. Uh, so what do you oh, think yeah. your favorite, if you would have to say your top three races for the male men, what would you say? Uh, I, I would definitely have to go with the four by four just because out of the sheer, um, strength and, uh, that Benjamin showed after recovering from his Achilles injury. Which you again, you don't see that type of thing every day. Yeah. And Achilles injury, the story for that never ends well. It's normally exactly that can spell the end of somebody's career in track and field. But he came back and he won that thing. <laughs> and I was, I was so, I was like jumping for joy for him because that is an amazing feat to accomplish after, after dealing with an Achilles injury. So I would probably have to say that was definitely my favorite. Awesome. What do you have? Uh, the second and third favorite. My second favorite would probably be the starting the 100 meters because it was it was short, but it was also good. You got to kind of get the feel for it at first, and you know you got to see some of these amazing people you know compete. So. Yeah. Hey, definitely good. And then the third would probably be the um uh let, let me think. The uh the four by one most likely because it was it, it was a crazy race. Like you you could see all these athletes just were trying to give it their all and some of them messed up, some of them did good, you know. But you always you, you always get that feel, you know. You always have to get that feel for it. And, you know, they always have to excel and work on their weaknesses. Exactly. 
So here are my top three races. Um, I'm pretty sure, you know, the one that was my favorite race, hands down. My favorite race in both genders. Uh, that was number one. The second was the 200 with the grass. That was a really good race. Um, so happy for the grass. And then the third, mm, it would be between the 15 and the 4x1, but I want I would say the 4x1 just because of Italy. Like, just, you know, once again, another unexpected race. Kind of like a wild card. So those are my three favorite races. Um, now, let's switch it up. and let's, What was your worst race? I think we all know. The worst race was definitely the most upsetting one. Because it, it, the they they could have done so much better, they they could have gone faster at it, and you know they they could have given us a great show, but they sadly didn't, and it was definitely an upset. And then yeah. my second would probably be um the the hurdle the hurdles the uh, one hundred hurdles mainly because. Of um, you know, a couple of them kind of missed some of the hurdles. They hit a couple, which is normal, but at the same time, it's like you gotta yeah. you gotta beat on it. You gotta time it perfectly to be able to get over it and try your best not to hit the hurdles to win. Mm-hmm. And then the third would probably would probably be um probably the four hundred because. They they could have done they could have honestly done a little bit better like some of the the um like later athletes yeah. that were there they could have done a bit better in in terms of their speed and their kicks because in it, it was it, it was close for a lot of them but they they kind of got knocked out the water you know yeah. Well, once again, um, I've I've said it before. The eight hundred probably won the. So, um, I don't really have any other. I don't really have any other. You know, non races. I like all the races. Um, you know, it was just the eight hundred. I think all the other races had their equal level of excitement. Yeah. Um. That's it. So I will be discussing the winners. Results in a separate podcast, the next podcast. Um, a lot to discuss there. Um, but thank you guys for watching. Once again, this is going to be uploaded to Spotify, Apple Podcasts. I, I never get all of them. They always list, list the streaming. I, I just don't remember all the names. I only know the main ones. But, they, yes, you guys can check it out. Yeah, a whole bunch. But you guys can check it on those platforms. Um, Thank you once again. Have a great day. This is Mikhail and Anthony signing out. Yes, sir. Peace, everybody.